First Timothy chapter 3 tonight, verse number 16, one of the greatest verses in all the Bible. And I have memorized this verse, committed this verse to my memory years ago. But just a phrase, look at verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. And then I want to just use this phrase tonight, God was manifest in the flesh. You know, that's what Christmas is. Christmas is God manifesting himself, God lowering himself, God taking upon himself the form of a human body and coming into the world. That's what Christmas is. So with that thought tonight, I want to preach on this subject, how to celebrate Christmas. All month long, we're kind of, don't, uh, kind of dedicating this time to uh, just talk about Christmas. So this morning, if you were here, I, I began a series of sermons on Christmasology. And we talked a little bit today about the genealogy of Christmas. Well, tonight, very practical. But I want to talk tonight on how to celebrate Christmas. I want to give you some very practical, uh, pr practical uh, ways to celebrate Christmas as we move toward that, this great time when God was manifest in the flesh. Let's pray, and I'll bring the message tonight. Father, would you help us now as we... Uh, turn our thoughts toward the Bible, and especially as we're focusing in on Christmas in these services of this month, I pray that you'd help us, please. God, I want to be very practical. Lord, I just want to be very, uh, very simple tonight in, uh, in what I want to say, but I want to encourage our people as we move toward the celebration of Christmas. So would you bless your word, speak to our hearts, I pray tonight, in Jesus' name, amen how to celebrate Christmas. I want to start tonight by giving you what I want to call some biblical facts about Christmas. If you take notes or whatever and you want to write these things down, I just want to move through the Bible very quickly tonight and give you what I would call some biblical facts about Christmas. That way you're not in the dark. If anybody comes to you and asks you these things, you already know them because they're found in the Word of God. First of all, fact number one, this is by way of introduction. Fact number one is this. The word Christmas is not found in the Bible. Fact number one, the word Christmas is not found in the Bible. You know, you can read through all the Old Testament and all of the New Testament. Now, that takes in all the 66 books of the Bible, the 1,189 chapters, 788,000 plus words in the Bible. But the one word you'll never find in all of the Bible is the word Christmas because the word Christmas is not found in the Bible. Fact number one, the word Christmas is not found in the Bible. Fact number two, listen to this. There's not one verse in all of the Bible that commands us to remember the birth of Christ. There is not one verse in all of the Bible that commands us to remember the birth of Christ. Not one. Now, we are told in the Bible to remember his death. We're told that. Out of all the things about the life of Jesus, the only thing that we're commanded to do regarding the life of Christ is we are to remember the death of Christ. That's what we did last Sunday night when we had communion. We remembered. You know, Jesus took the bread and then he took the cup. And after he broke the bread and drank the cup, he said, This do in remembrance of me. But there's not one verse in all of the Bible that commands us to remember the birth of Christ. If you think there's one in there, I challenge you to bring it up to me tonight after church. Not one verse. So fact number one, the word Christmas is not in the Bible. 
Fact number two, there's nowhere in the Bible we're commanded to remember the birth of Christ. Fact number three, there is no exact date given to us in the Bible as to which day Jesus was born. Not one. There's not a verse I can tell you to turn to in your Bible and say, okay, on December the 25th, the Bible tells us that Jesus was born. In fact, probably, probably, most people think that Jesus was born probably in the month of September, late September or early October. Others place the birth of Christ sometime in the spring because the shepherds, they said, uh, the Bible said the shepherds were watching their flocks by night in the fields. And a lot of people use that to place the birth of Christ somewhere in the springtime. But fact number three, there is no exact date given to us in the Bible as to the birth of Christ. Fact number one, Christmas is not in the Bible. Fact number two, nowhere in the Bible we're told to remember the birth of Christ. Fact number three, there's no place in the Bible that we're given the exact date of the birth of Christ. Fact number four, Many things that are commonly believed about the Christmas story are simply not true. Many things about... Now, I'm not talking about elves and snow, snowmen and reindeer. I'm talking about the Christmas story in the Bible. Many things that are believed about the Christmas story in the Bible are simply not true. Let me give you a couple of for instances. Number one, did you know there is no innkeeper mentioned in the Christmas story. Now, I know, I'm a Baptist preacher. I have given that innkeeper down in the country for years, preaching against that low-down, sorry, good-for-nothing innkeeper that wouldn't let Jesus have a place to be born, a nice, comfortable, warm place to be born. Truth of the matter is, you read over in Luke chapter 2 about that whole scenario, there's not one time that an innkeeper is mentioned in the entire Christmas story. Now, I know, and I have before, again, I have let him have it through the Christmases, uh, Christmas messages of my ministry. I've let him have it because he didn't have any room for Jesus, and I preached about no room for Jesus or whatever. But there's no innkeeper that's mentioned in the Christmas story. Number two, I'm still on fact four. <laughs> what about this? The wise men didn't show up at the manger. The wise men, every time you ride by somebody's house, or in most cases, when you go by somebody's house and they have a manger scene, they always have the wise men there as well. By the way, we don't know. The Bible doesn't say there were three wise men. All right? The Bible said there were three gifts that they brought. There's no telling. Could have been 3,000 of them. Could have been 300 of them. Could have been 33 of them. Could have been three of them. Could have just been maybe a couple of them. We don't know. But the fact of the matter is those wise men didn't come to the manger. They came perhaps some two years later because you, you remember that when they arrived, Herod found out about the birth of Christ and he ordered all the male babies in the city of Bethlehem to be killed from two years old and under. So in all probability, by the time the wise men got there, we're looking at two years after the birth of Christ. And the Bible doesn't say they came to the manger. The Bible said that when they came to the house... They saw Mary and the young child, not a baby, but a young child, the toddler Jesus. So it probably took them about two years to probably get from wherever they were to where Jesus was born there in the city of Bethlehem. And so they didn't show up at the manger. They showed up at the house. And then let me further bust your bubble just a little bit by telling you this. I personally believe, I, can't, I won't argue this, 
But I personally believe the star that they saw that guided them along the way from probably the land of Babylon all the way to the uh, city of Bethlehem was probably not a necessary planet that appeared in the sky, but was probably the same thing as that Shekinah glory was in the Old Testament to the nation of Israel. Now, I say that you remember that God led Israel through the wilderness in the Old Testament by the glory cloud, the Shekinah glory of God shone, and, as, and when that cloud would lift up, Israel journeyed, and when the cloud would set down, Israel stayed. I personally believe that the, cloud, the star that they saw was the glory of God that led them for two years along the journey until they eventually came to the house where Jesus was born. Fact number four, a lot of stuff that people believe about the Christmas story is simply not true. And then, fact number five. All right, fact number one, Christmas is not in the Bible. Fact number two, there's not one verse in the Bible that says to remember the birth of Christ. Fact number three, no exact date given to us as to the birth of Jesus. Fact number four, a lot of what people believe is not found in the Bible. And fact number five is this, we find none of the early church or early Christians celebrating the birth of Christ in the early church. Not one instance in the book of Acts do we find any of the church celebrating the birth of Christ. Now, what we do have as we move through the New Testament, we do have a lot of the writers of the Bible mentioning some aspect about the birth of Christ. In fact, one of the things that evidently the Apostle Paul was just astounded by, let me use Forsyth County language, he was blown away by was the fact that God lowered himself to become man. That's the verse that I read tonight. God was manifest in the flesh. Paul simply, seemingly, never got over the fact that God in heaven lowered himself, took upon himself the form of a human body and came into this world to identify and later die for the whole of humanity. Fact number five, however, the early church and early Christians are not seen celebrating the birth of Christ. Now, I'll tell you, I have just destroyed everything there is about Christmas. Have I not? In just a matter of about eight minutes here, I have just ruined Christmas. But can I tell you this? I don't think we're wrong for celebrating the birth of Christ. I don't believe we're wrong by doing that. Obviously, if he hadn't have been born, he couldn't have lived. Now, if you agree with that, <laughs> would you say amen? amen? If he hadn't have been born, he couldn't have lived. If he hadn't have lived, he couldn't have died. If he hadn't have died, he couldn't rise again. If he couldn't rise again, he couldn't have ascended. And if he didn't ascend it, he couldn't come back for us. So obviously, the fundamental thing about the whole entire story of the Lord Jesus begins with his birth, let me say his virgin birth, in the, in the little town of Bethlehem. So I don't think we're wrong. I, somebody said, boy, I tell you, our preacher's down on Christmas, ain't he? No, I'm not. But I want to tell you, I don't think we're wrong for celebrating the birth of our Savior. But my question tonight is not this, why should we celebrate Christmas? My question tonight is this, how should we celebrate Christmas? How can we really make this time of the year a meaningful time for us as God's people? Well, I wrote down tonight, and this is just simple, simple preaching, cornbread message, putting it down there where the sheep can get it. But I, I, I wrote down three things tonight I think we've got to do if we're going to have a meaningful Christmas. 
All right, here they are. Let me, let me say number one, we should celebrate Christmas, number one, by renewing our faith. By renewing our faith. Now, everybody in this room is familiar with how commercialized Christmas has become. Am I right? I mean, it just seems like it's just one big commercial. That's all that Christmas is. It almost seems like we don't even have a Thanksgiving anymore. We have Halloween with the spooks and the candy, and then we, after, after the spooks come down, the trees go up. And we just move from Halloween all the way to Christmas. That's, and, we, and we bypass Thanksgiving anymore. And you know, you've got to know I'm telling you the truth, but we used to call it Black Friday because it was uh, the Friday was the Friday after Thanksgiving was the official start off to the shopping season for Christmas. But now we have Black Friday commercials that start before Halloween is over with. It started the 1st of July, and for the uh, 1st of July, 1st of November, and by the way, the 1st of July, but the 1st of November and go all the way through the month of November and all we hear about the whole month is Black Friday, Black Friday, get your shopping done, buy this, this price. You don't have to wait till Black Friday anymore. You know, Christmas has just, been, just become one big advertisement. It has become just one big commercial. I think if I'm right about this, listening to Brother David yesterday at the uh, bus meeting, he said, and uh, he read this, that over the next, what, 25 days, the average person in America will spend 47 hours doing something about Christmas. Shopping, Christmas parties, whatever, putting up decorations. 47 hours of the next three weeks, four weeks here, will be spent uh, on uh, the subject of Christmas. And if we aren't careful as God's people, we get caught up in all this. I mean, to us, Christmas just becomes one big commercial event. One big advertisement, running here for this present, there for that present. We get swept away with it. And if we're not careful, we become totally distracted from what the true meaning of Christmas is all about. Hey, can I tell you this? You know this. Christmas is not about Santa. Christmas is about the Savior. Christmas is not about gifts. Christmas is about grace. Christmas is not about malls. Christmas is about mercy. Christmas is not about sales. Christmas is about salvation. And on the basis of everything that I've just said, what better time of the year is there to draw closer to our Lord than this time of the year? What better time of the year to seek a personal revival than around Christmas time? By the way, I know it's going to take a concerted effort. It's just not going to accidentally happen. There's too many distractions there this time of the year. You and I are being pulled in too many different directions at this time of the year. I get all that, but don't you think we ought to focus on our faith during this time of the year? Don't allow ourselves to get caught up in all the chaos and all the confusion and all of the distractions during this time of the year. Christmas is about God's love for humanity. I mean, man, the short of it, bottom line, Christmas is about God's love for humanity. O.G. Campbell Morgan once said this, the greatest proof that God loves humanity, lost humanity, is that little baby lying in a manger in Bethlehem. Man, I'm telling you, this time is about the love of God. And if there's anything we ought to do during Christmas, we ought to love Him back. I mean love Him back like never before. 
I think we ought to position ourselves to stay close to Him during Christmas on purpose. And by the way, it's not going to happen accidentally. It's not going to happen coincidentally if you're going to draw close to God during this Christmas season, but it's going to happen because we make a concerted effort to read our Bibles, to stay fervent in prayer, to attend the services of the house of God, to be sober, to be vigilant, and resist temptation. Listen, I'm not telling you to be a bah humbug. I'm not telling you to be a Scrooge in this time of the year. But I'm also telling you, man, don't throw your spiritual life up into autopilot and just coast through this time of the year. Let's purpose in our heart to stay close to God. Read your Bible. You know, one of the things that we challenged everybody to do back at the start of this 100 years is to read your Bible through this year. And I want to do this right now. I just want to take a moment to do this. If you've already done that and you're finished, and I hope you're still reading, but you've already read your Bible through this year, would you stand up right now? Everybody's done that. Stand up right now. Boy, do I wish I hadn't asked this. Kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. All right, thank you. How many of you are on course to get your Bible read through this year? Would you stand up right now? All right? And by the way, remain standing. And you that's already finished, would you stand up as well? makes me feel just a little bit better about things. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, don't quit. We're too close to the finish line now. Hey, keep on reading. Don't get distracted. Let me tell you something about Christmas. Can I tell you this? You and I will either come out of this Christmas season closer to the Lord or farther from the Lord. We cannot and will not remain the same. Don't you think we ought to renew our faith? I mean, just dedicate ourselves afresh and anew to the Lord during this time of the year. Read our Bibles. Purpose in your heart to be in the house of God. Hey, stay close to God in prayer. And whatever you do, resist the temptation of being drawn up into all the distractions that are going on in this time of the year. So number one, what's a good way to celebrate Christmas? By renewing your faith. Staying close to God. Can I have an amen? Number two, very practical. Not only do we need to celebrate Christmas by renewing our faith, number two, we need to celebrate Christmas by regarding our finances. By regarding our finances. I read this this week. Stay with me for just a minute. I read this week that down in the state of Florida, and there's been a lot of articles being written and news reports about this recently, that the state of Florida is being overrun by snakes. Have you heard that? What's happening down there is this. And by the way, not just ordinary snakes, not snakes indigenous to America. I'm talking about stinking boa constrictors and stuff like that. They are literally overrunning the state. Of I hope, bless God, they don't crawl up to North Carolina. What about y'all? I hope it's too cold up here for us to have them stinking things up here. But if it don't, get your guns, boy, we're going to war. Amen. I'm not living with boa constrictors. No, sir. But what's happening is this. What, uh, by the way, I read just this week on, uh, in the news that they found an eight-foot ball boa constrictor in the parking lot of a Lowe's Hardware in Palm Beach County, Florida. Just crawling through the parking lot. Eight foot long. Can you believe that? What they say is happening is this. People go out and they buy these snakes for pets. And then when they get so big that they no longer can handle them, let's take them out in swamp somewhere and turn them loose. And those snakes are repopulating. And, man, they're just spreading all over the, uh, the uh, state of Florida. 
And what they say is they love to swim in them canals, and they'll use them canals. It's all over the state of Florida. Just come right up, and they'll pop up in grocery stores, parking lots, hardware stores. They'll par pop up in churchyards, whatever. And, and, I mean, I don't know about y'all, but that's a little bit scary to me. I hate snakes. Can I have an amen? But I think that's the way a lot of people get when Christmas comes. They go out, spend a lot of money thinking, I'm going to make this the best Christmas ever, and then only to find out after a while those bills are so big they no longer can handle them, and unfortunately you can't turn them loose in a swamp somewhere. I'm telling you, if you want to have a great Christmas this year, listen, you better regard your finances. Regard your finances. I read this week on a website called Market Watch Listen to this, that it's going to take the average American the first five months of next year to pay off for what they charged for Christmas. Now, can you believe that? What they say is this, we buy, you know the old saying is we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. Can I just encourage you? Y'all ain't never heard that before. Well, let me say it again. It got a laugh. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we hate. We do. And, and can I just encourage you this year, be careful what you spend for Christmas this year. One of the reasons I think Thanksgiving's become my favorite holiday is because of the low stress factor associated with it. You know, this past Thursday what we did, we just got together, just had a big old meal, had a good time of just enjoying each other's company and just had a great time. We didn't have to worry about, you know, did she like what I bought her? Did he like it or was he just putting on? Or did they spend more on me than I spent on them? Or them bunch of scoundrels? I went out and spent $25 on their present. I bet they got that at Family Dollar. I bet they didn't pay three fifty for that thing. Low down right all that stuff that goes into Christmas. Boy, there's a lot of pressures that come along for Christmas. And can I say that I don't think God meant it to be that way. We need to balance our thinking. Hey, listen, don't live for the moment. Remember, there's a year to pay. There's another year that's going to come after Christmas is over. Uh, by the way, have you ever noticed how it takes weeks to get prepared for Christmas and it's over in an hour? Can I just, can I, can I, can I reel you, reel you back in for just a little bit and tell you not to go crazy for a one-hour deal? Can I encourage you to regard your finances this Christmas and don't place yourself in a financial bind for the next six months because you went way overboard for one hour of one day? Can I just encourage you to set a limit on what you can and cannot afford and be sensible with your money this year? Don't get caught up in all the hoopla. Hey, can I tell you something? As wonderful as you want to make this Christmas, there's no such thing as a perfect Christmas. Are you like me? You've had these great expectations of how wonderful Christmas is going to be only to find out that you forgot to buy the batteries for something? Only to find out when they open something, they've already got it at someplace else? Or, or, uh, or it's broke? Hey, you, you and I don't need to get caught up 
in this one-hour deal of where we're going to go out and spend all this money and charge credit cards and put ourselves in some kind of a financial burden that when we take off into a brand new year, we're going to be hurting. You know why? Because we just blew it out of the water for one hour of one day of that entire year. And by the way, can I tell you something? When it's all said and done, it's over with. Regard your... Am I, can I say it? Am I preaching good right now? watch what you spend. I want to say that to our young couples. Please be careful. Look, I grew up on Cougars. They were just as good as Nikes. The shoes mom and daddy brought me at pick and pay was just as good as the ones that somebody else's mom and daddy got them at Belks. And the blue jeans I wore come from, from uh, Ashley's Outlet in Mount Airy. And they were defects. And many times, you used to embarrass me to death, many times the seam, instead of going down the side of the leg, would come over and cross right down the middle of the leg. <laughs> embarrassed the fire out of me. But can I tell you something? They clothed me just as good as that crowd, that stuff you could have bought over there at Belks. And my mom and daddy, mama kept them clean, daddy paid for them, and I never went to school with dirty clothes on. They, they wore just as good. They may not have looked as good. They might have not have been as cool. But they were just as good as what anybody else had on. I'm trying to tell you this, bless God. Don't be a stinking belt shopper on a, on a family dollar income. You're welcome. If you, hey, if you're, and there's nothing wrong with Dollar General. What is the lady on the internet called it? The Dollar Gentral. And nothing wrong with the Dollar Gentral. If that's all you can afford, don't max yourself out. And by the way, can I tell you what a real sin is? To blow up a bunch of credit cards and then file bankruptcy and not pay off your stuff you paid for. What a bad testimony on God's people that is. Amen, preacher. It's sad to go out and spend all that money and then call somebody and say, I'm filing for bankruptcy. I can't afford that stuff. What are they, what are they, who's going to pay for that? Okay, forget it. Hey, watch this. Renew your faith. Regard your finances. Number three, rejoice with family. Rejoice with family. You see, Christmas is a time for faith, and Christmas is a time for fun. But Christmas is also a time for family. You know, many times Christmas is the only time of the year when everybody in the family gets together again. I'm talking about, you know, those people that you used to be so close to, that you grew up with, you played with. I mean, man, climb trees with, dam the creek up with. That, that crowd that you used to be so close to, and for whatever the reason now you're, longer, you're no longer close to them, but you, you really probably only see them during the Christmas time of year. And I understand all the dynamics that go into that and sometimes the dynamite that go into, goes into that as well. I said this morning, everybody has got family. Everybody does. And there ain't a person in this room whose family's not in a mess. Don't look down. We ain't praying right now. There ain't a one of us in here that ain't got a family that's, a big old, ain't, that's not a big old mess. All of us have family. Some of our kinfolks mean as a rattlesnake. Some has been married five times. Some of them's divorced. Uh, uh, some of them's up to their eyeballs in trouble. 
Some of them's messed up in drugs. Some of them's messed up in drink. Some of them are living together without the benefit of marriage. We all have family members like that. Nobody in this room comes from a perfect family, absolutely nobody. And then here comes Christmas, and here we all come rolling back in again. Oh, brother, here we come all rolling back in. And I'll tell you something, it's a great time to be a good witness for Jesus. It really is. It's a great time to set the right kind of an example as a child of God is supposed to be. If it gets ugly, you don't have to buy into it. If they start cussing and drinking, leave. I'd get all that stuff. In fact, you and your wife ought to get you a password before you get there. And I mean, if it comes to the place you can't stand it anymore, I mean, have a password like snowman. Just look at her and say snowman. Or look at him and say snowman. Or if it's hot outside, say Meli Kalikimaka. <laughs> but have a password. And if it gets ugly and you can't stand it, have a password, and that password means head to the car, I'm not far behind. <laughs> but what a great time to be a good witness for the Lord. Can I tell you something? I don't go along with everybody in my family. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think what everybody is, is, has done or is doing is right, not at all. Do I believe that? And, but I want to tell you something. I want you to remember two things, and that's this. Just because that old boy's drunk, and because that old girl's divorced, or because they're on dope or whatever, don't you ever forget that were it not for the grace of God, you could roll in there like that. You sure could. And, 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 and what would God want you to be like? How would the Lord want us to react toward those people like that? I mean, boy, we better think long and hard about this stuff. Because Christmas is a time to rejoice with your family. I'll tell you this. Yesterday, we had our Christmas with our family. Yesterday. And uh, so what we did is what we do every year. Let me tell you how our Christmas celebration goes with our family. We uh, leave the house and we head to the Mount, Mount Zion Baptist Church Cemetery. And we visit... We visit with my wife's dad that she's never even seen before. He was killed three months before she was born. She's brought up in a home with a two stepdads, neither one of which liked her because she was, she was a child from the, from the dad that wasn't there. Her brother and her were born from the same parents, but her brother being a boy, they didn't seem to bother her, but it seemed like these stepdads, they had it in for her. She never knew what it was like to have a daddy's love. So we went to the Mount Zion Baptist Church Cemetery yesterday and we celebrated Christmas with her daddy by placing uh, flowers on a cold gray tombstone. Then we left there and we went over to the Little Mountain Baptist Church and we celebrated Christmas with her mama who died at the age of 55 or 6 years old with cancer, eat up with cancer, we put a few flowers there in a the little pot and stayed there for just a minute, and that was our Christmas with her mama. Then we left there, and of course my mom and daddy's gone now, and, and so we got to go over there, 
over to the, uh, to the uh, uh, good night. Can't remember the name of the Baptist church where mom and dad's. What's the name of that church over there? Good gracious. Westside Baptist Church where mom and daddy's buried. And God put some flowers on the grave over there. Celebrate Christmas with mom and daddy in the graveyard. Went to my grandparents up there at Boone's Hill, up there at Mount Airy. What's the name of that cemetery there, Brother Vic, on top of Boone's Hill there? What do they call that? Boot Hill? What's that cemetery right there as you head down the big long hill into Mount Airy? What's the name of it? Skyline. So go there, celebrate Christmas with my grandparents by putting flowers on my grandparents' grave. So I've celebrated Christmas with my family. You know, there's going to come a time. There's going to come a time your family's going to be gone. Your mama will be gone. Your daddy will be gone. Your grandparents will be gone. And can I tell you something? Life is just too short to fuss and fight and not get along and hate each other. And man can't stand each other, won't speak to one another. I'm going to tell you something. Life is too short to live like that. It really is. Life is here and then it's gone and it's over with. And, and mama's gone and daddy's gone and brother's gone and sister's gone and grandparents are gone. And all we've left with is a bunch of memories of where we couldn't get along and we hated each other and fussed at each other and couldn't talk to each other. This one wouldn't speak to that one and that one wouldn't speak to that one. And then death comes and you try to bless God, come up here and drag them out of a casket and apologize to them. Hey, why don't you just get right with God and love them now? And quit this fussing and fighting over And most of the stuff we fuss and fight over don't mean anything anyway. Amen, preacher. And I'm telling you, if we're going to have a good Christmas this year, we need to just forget about a lot of stuff that's going on. Just, put it, just pick it up, set it down over here as best we possibly can, and just don't worry about who got the frying pan and who got the quilt. and who, Don't worry about who got uh, the, the stinking uh, whatever off the, uh, the pillows off the bed. Just set all that down over here and just be Christ-like and try to love everybody and have some have some character about us and, and stop this fussing and fighting over everything. And let this crowd know you're not living like we want. I'm not saying I don't go along with it. I never have and I won't go along with it. But I tell you what, life is too short just to, just to fuss about stuff all the time. I don't know about y'all, but I like a little bit of peace, don't you? You can have all that drama stuff, all that hateful stuff, hateful stuff, and I can't speak to him because he likes her, and I can't speak to her because she likes him. Who cares? It's time to rejoice with family because it ain't going to be long till you're going to celebrate Christmas in a graveyard somewhere putting flowers on a dead, a gray, cold, hard tombstone wishing like crazy you could go back and eat again at Mama's house, hear Daddy call me one more time and say, Hey, how many of y'all have saved today? How many you, I'd give anything if I'd go home tonight and my Daddy pick, call me again on the phone. But that's gone now. That's done. That's, that's it. And I'd be John Brown if I'm going to fuss and fight the rest of my life over all that. Amen. You're welcome. I love you. That's how we need to celebrate Christmas this year. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father.